0: Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. So we are going to open our Bibles to Matthew six thirty three, And I love this verse. This verse is what my husband and I have stood on for 18 years. When we got married, we said this is our verse for our marriage that we are always going to put God First, no matter what. And this says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Well, Josh and I, when we got married, we had nothing. So I was 19 and he was 23, I believe, and we had nothing. We came from a family, both sides of our family, like we didn't have anything. And so here we were, these this young couple, but we loved God. Of course, we came with a history and a story that everybody has, but we said we're going to seek God above all else throughout our entire life, and we have seen this promise come to pass that he has always provided. He has always given us everything we need, and so today what I want to share with everyone is just seeking Jesus. So we have been, I've been hearing this, and also the ministry has been receiving a lot of questions lately of how do you hear from god how can i be led by the holy spirit how can i do this how can i do that and these are wonderful questions and it's not that it's so simple but the answer is you seek jesus and so today i want to share a little bit of what seeking jesus looks like and that when you do seek jesus He's there to meet you. He's there to answer you. And so we're going to look at Matthew 7, and we're going to read 7 through 11. And it says, "Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be opened." You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Every time we seek Jesus, he meets us there. That's mercy. He meets us there every single time that we seek him. And so we've been learning the depth of God's favor this year. And in the recent weeks, we've been learning about mercy. And so mercy is you not getting what you deserve. We all deserve a lot of things. But God in his love extends that mercy to where it's wiped clean. You don't get what you deserve. And I think about, as we are preparing the way for Resurrection Sunday, and I think about Jesus, and he's hanging on the cross, and I think about the criminal beside him. The mercy in the moment of Jesus dying, the mercy that he extended to that criminal. That criminal began to seek Jesus. In that moment, he was seeking Jesus, and Jesus said, Today, you will be with me in paradise. I mean, the ultimate mercy, right? And it's interesting that there was another criminal too. He had the same opportunity to seek Jesus, and he didn't. And so today I'm going to share about seeking Jesus. And the world, we see it more, I think, now than ever. The world is seeking something. They're seeking something all the time, everywhere. They're seeking something. When in reality, they should be seeking someone, and that's Jesus. There is not a human being on this planet that does not want acceptance. They want love. They want comfort. They want um, deliverance. We're all the same in that. But what happens is we start looking for a way, and we start looking for the wrong way. We start going in the wrong direction, where Jesus is always there, and he's saying, I have that freedom. Seek me. And how do we seek Jesus, we open our Bible. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and that's Jesus. And people think, oh, here we go again. Like, they just hear it over and over. Open your Bible. Read the Bible. But how is it working for you so far? Just try it. I had a guy in high school. It's funny because he really (laughs) aggravated me a lot. Um, But he would always instigate me about my faith. And one day, he was like, will you give me a ride home? Now, now that I have a daughter, I think that's probably not the smartest thing, but I, I gave him a ride home from school one day, and we were talking, and I was talking about Jesus and stuff, and he was very, um, you know, I'm an atheist, I'm an atheist. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not. <laughs> like, you've asked me the questions. I'm going to tell you what I believe. And so finally, I mean, I was young. I was like 16. I didn't really know what to say to him, and finally because I'd kind of had enough, Um, I said, you know what, all I can say is if I live my entire life and I'm wrong, I've lived a good life, I've helped other people, I die, and I just don't exist, as you say. Like, I won't even know that I don't exist if I'm wrong, right? If you're right and I'm wrong, whatever. I have nothing to lose, because I was at my wits end with him, and I said, but If you die and you're wrong, and the reality set in, that's all I said as a 16-year-old. And he said, can I go to church that night? He went to church that night and gave his life to the Lord. You have to just seek Jesus. And you know, sometimes when people are talking to you and you feel like they're kind of a thorn in the flesh, and they keep kind of just annoying you and antagonizing you, they're seeking something. They're seeking what's inside of you that light, that visible display that is inside of you. We have to give that to them. And so, as you open your Bible and you read it every day, you begin to do what the Word says. And that's where we shift from now we're not just um, hearers of the Word, but now we're doers of the Word. And that's when things start to change. And I want to look at Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 33, verse 3... This is where I was talking about people in the world are always seeking. They want answers. They want to know how to do something or how to live their life. And Jeremiah 33 says, ask me, this is God speaking, ask me and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. When you are in a situation where you need wisdom, and every single one of us in this building, listening online, every single one of us has something in our life right now that we need an answer. We need wisdom to, how to make a decision. And when we are seeking Jesus and we are allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us, he tells us remarkable secrets that we do not know about things to come. He will reveal that wisdom to you. And in Proverbs 8, 1 through 11, it's so plain here. It gives wisdom a personality, and it says, listen as wisdom calls out. How many times has somebody tried to tell you something, especially probably as you're a uh, youth, and you're like, just listen to me. I am telling you because I have experience. If you will just listen to me, it will save you heartache. This is what wisdom does to us. Wisdom calls out. Here, as understanding raises her voice, on the hilltop along the road, she takes her stand at the crossroads. And by the gates at the entrance to the town, on the road leading in, she cries aloud. I call to you, to all of you. I raise my voice to all my people. This is wisdom calling out to us. This is wisdom saying, come, seek me, seek Jesus, get in the word. I'm here with all the answers. I call to, that's okay. You simple people, use good judgment. You foolish people, show some understanding. Listen to me, for I have important things to tell you. Everything I say is right, for I speak the truth and detest every kind of deception. My advice is wholesome. There is nothing devious or crooked in it. My words are plain to anyone with understanding, clear to those with knowledge. Choose my instruction rather than silver and knowledge rather than pure gold. And I'll read 11 in just a minute, but that, that shows me, that goes back to Matthew 6.33 where it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. You seek God before you seek the riches. Now God said, if you will listen to my wisdom, I'll provide the riches for you. But you have to seek me first. It says in 11, we'll look in 11 now, for wisdom is more... It's far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with it. What I love about it is it said also that wisdom, the wisdom that God gives is not deceptive. And in our world nowadays, I hear it a lot where people say, I don't want to be wrong. Like, I don't want to make the wrong decision. I hear all this on the news. I, I hear this and that. Like, what is right? What is true? The word of God is true. The God said, in my word, there's nothing devious about it. There's not going to be deception. So if you're concerned that you're going to get deceived by someone or some idea, you compare it with the word of God, and you see what the word of God says. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, it's wrong. And if it does line up with the word of God, of course you follow it. And so... I um, had been thinking about seeking Jesus, and I thought, okay, well, I can give all these verses, but I'll share a story. And so I was talking with Pastor, and we had really been talking about um, your salvation story. You know, as we were talking about Easter and Resurrection Sunday, everybody has, or you should have a salvation story. You should have a personal testimony, an encounter with Jesus that you will never forget. And every single one of us has that. And so Pastor was kind of talking to me about that, and I've never shared my salvation story I don't I didn't really want to share my salvation story because my encounter with Jesus was not pretty and I um kind of like well I kind of feel like I've lived a second life (laughs) because we have Jesus has rewrote our story and so I said okay I'm gonna keep studying, <laughs> and so I kept going in the in the studying process, and nothing was coming. And I was like, "Okay, it's getting kind of close." And I thought, "Okay, Lord, I will surrender to you, and I will share my story." And so this is my encounter with Jesus. This is an example of someone seeking Jesus with all of their heart. So, my childhood um, was not the best childhood. So I grew up with a very alcoholic. Father, and throughout as far as I could remember, and this is not um, to embarrass my family at all, this is to help somebody else because the truth of the matter is, my story is not unique. It's not. Um, and so, there's someone in this building that probably has a similar story. There's somebody online I know that will either listen now live or they're listening to the replay that my story is not unique. Um, And so I grew up with him, and he was very verbally abusive, mental, uh, emotionally abusive. Mm -hmm. And so I was always kind of the caretaker of everything. I always wanted to take care of my mom. I always wanted to take care of my younger brother. Um, But it was a household of just turmoil. And so there was a period of time for years that I actually, it was so bad that I was removed from with DSS, like removed from my home to live with my grandmother. And so I lived with my grandmother um, for some years, and then I was allowed to go back. And so when we went back, it was not better. It was worse. Um, And so with that, I am not perfect. I decided I made choices that were wrong. I became angry. I became bitter. Um, my house did not have rules. There's not that many teenagers in here today, but I believe they'll be listening online or uh, listening to the replay. Um, at that time, I didn't really have any rules. I could do and go as I please. The grass is not always greener on the other side. Some of our teenage years, I get it, you want freedom. The grass is not always greener on the other side. I had freedom, the freedom I thought I had. I could go and do whatever I pleased. But what I really needed was boundaries. What I really needed was someone to take a role that they were given by God and fulfill that role. I needed somebody to speak up and say, that's wrong. You're not going to do that. I needed someone to set rules and structure and to be an advocate. And so, fast forward, I was probably about, by this time, I was probably, I would say, 17, 18 years old, and it was really bad. And so, then I remember, it was a Friday, it was a Friday, and it had gotten really bad, to where eventually, I had a gun pointed at my head. And things kind of happened that night, and so that night, I remember, like it was an hour ago, I can still remember I was in my bathroom, and I remember what the lights looked like. I remember what the countertop felt like. And in that moment, you don't have to put it on the screen, but Psalms 34 came to life to me because I had been starting to go to church with some cousins. Um, And the thing is, is I didn't let anybody know what was going on, right? I mean, the shame Who wants to say this is going on in my own home? So I did live a double life. I was active in school, the dance team, color guard. I had friends, but I lived a separate life. And if I had have left and went to Granny's house, they would know. And I was ashamed. So I stayed. And so in that moment psalms 34 came to life to me it said that i cried out in desperation and and i think it would be i think it's yeah thank you very good ruthie thank you she's got it she i didn't even tell her what it was it's psalms 34 6 in my desperation i prayed and the lord listened and he saved me from all of my troubles so what i did in that moment i remember i didn't say a fancy prayer I literally, literally said, Jesus, I want to serve you. I want to live right for you. I want to seek you, and I want to serve you. But I'm literally living like hell on earth. And I didn't bargain with God. I wasn't trying to bribe him. But I said, please, just save me. Just save me. And that's all I said. That was a Friday That Saturday morning, I got a phone call from a lady, and she was like, I know this sounds weird, but will you meet me for lunch? And so I did, and she said, I think you should go look at apartments. Well, I was barely 18. I had nothing to my name, and I should have never got that apartment. But I went, I looked, I filled out all the paperwork, and we just left. And we went and had lunch and came back. And the lady in the apartment complex was like, you got accepted for this apartment. Now, I didn't have a cosigner, and I didn't have credit. It was God's favor. It was God saying, you are seeking me, and now I'm going to change your life. And I have to correct myself. I said, Jesus, save me. And if you do, which he's, of course, going to save you, but if you do, I will serve you the rest of my life. Even when I don't want to do something, I will serve you for the rest of my life. And he has held me to that, and he has always been faithful. And so here, I got approved for this apartment. And so I go back home, and I said, hey, I, I need to talk to you guys about something. I'm moving out. Well, there was some things that happened with that. And I said, no, I'm, I'm leaving this time, and I'm moving out, and I'm leaving on Tuesday. Well, nobody helped me move. So I got all my little stuff, which was in a bag. (laughs) So I didn't really need a lot of help to move. I didn't have anything. And I moved in that Tuesday to this studio apartment. Now, a studio apartment 20 years ago. Let me let you know what that looked like. It was probably the size of this stage. And it had a kitchen, a little refrigerator, and a couch. And the bed came out of the wall. The problem is, is I'm short. I could not get my bed out of the wall, so I slept on the couch, and I laid there that night, and I said, what have I done? What have I done? I was in college. I had just started college, and I cleaned a church for $50 a week, and I tutored a little girl three times a week. The money should have never worked. I don't care how I put it on paper, it should have never worked. I didn't have enough to pay my bills, but I tithed. So when I got that $50 check and then I got that, I always tithed. And my bills were always paid on time. I don't know how except the supernatural provision of God. God said, okay, you were in a bad situation. You were seeking me. You cried out to me. Now I'm going to answer your prayers. Now I'm going to meet you where you're at. And so over the years, I um, have been, because my dad is alive, and he lives 20 minutes from me. And so I felt like, oh, I can go the rest of my life, and I can just move on. But then I had children. And then things start happening where I want to see Grandpa. Now you got unless you're in the situation that's hard to where your kids love this guy that you had a complete different relationship with. They don't see that. But I remember that. And so I have been praying for healing and restoration and freedom. And we've been talking about mercy. Mercy is you don't get what you deserve. And so fast forward this year, around Christmas time, my dad got really sick. And so I got a phone call from my mom one day and she said, I need you to come to the house. Cause he had started having seizures, um, but they were manageable, but she said, I really need you to come to the house right now because he's had a really bad seizure. And so around Christmas time I left to get to the house, was like, we've got to call nine one one. So all this stuff is happening. We end up at the hospital. We end up immediately in ICU. And they told us, tonight will be critical. Tonight will be where we have one goal. And one goal is to keep him off of a ventilator. And so we're like, okay, okay. Well, we get a phone call through the night that, hey, you know, you guys can come up here in the morning, but we got to prepare you. He had a really bad night and he's on a ventilator and so we all go up there and they're like you know you probably need to go ahead and call family in so we were doing all of these things and of course I'm praying for healing um, I have a lot of mixed emotions um, and then he just kind of stabilized and this is probably gonna sound really bad and weird to you guys but I'm human God has been faithful and blessed me with a business that I'm able to do some of the business virtually, right? So he's stable. Life goes on. People have to go back to work. My mom has to go back to work. My brother has to go back to work. Josh has to go back to work. But guess who could stay in ICU with this man? And I said okay well they're all looking at me like well you, you can stay here we all have to go back to work you need to be with him I'm like I'm gonna be here and take the role of an advocate for someone who was never an advocate for me I'm a human I'm honest I know I'm not unique there is somebody listening that they're either going through this right now or you may go through this and so I stayed there with him And I would stay back here in a chair while he was there, and I would answer questions. And then my mom says, I'm going to turn the medical, all the medical stuff over to you. And I said, I I don't want you to do that. But she said, well, I've already done it. And so now I'm having to make decisions for him. So then I'm sitting there, and it was kind of up and down what was going to happen. And the Holy Spirit finally spoke to me, because I was like... You know, people are praying for healing. You know, we're praying for healing. I mean, I don't want him to die. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, You have my spirit inside of you. The word says you can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So what are you waiting on? I wish I would say that I got up right then and laid hands on him. But I didn't. I moved my chair closer, and I began to talk to him. He was unresponsive. But I believe that people can still hear you. So I would talk to him, and finally, the whole, you know, the Holy Spirit just kept working on my heart. And finally, I was able to say, you know, we had a conversation. You know, you've made some terrible decisions in your life that has affected so many people. And, you know, I'm, like, scolding him. I'm so mad here I am, happened to be here with you, and you know. And finally I said, But you know what? Look at God's mercy on you. And I was kind of mad that God was extending so much mercy. And then I said, Jeannie, look at the stuff you've done and the mercy God has given you. And I said, You are being shown so much mercy. I said, Jesus loves you so much. And in that moment, God started healing me. And I said, and you know what? I love you too. That is why I'm so mad at you. Like, I love you. You're my dad. And I said, and I laid my hands on him. And I said, and now is the time that you need to wake up. And you need to physically get out of this bed. And you need to accept God's mercy. Well, in that moment... After that, you know, I went home, we came back that morning, they said, we have to make a pretty serious decision. We were like, okay, what happened? And they were like, if there's any better time than any, like if there's ever been a better time, we need to try to take the ventilator out today. And we're like, okay, what happens? They gave us all the risks and stuff. And they said, so what we're looking for is it's going to take us maybe, maybe two minutes just to pull it out. And we just need him to be just to be able to cough. That's all (sighs) we need. And so again, I was the one that had to make the decision. And so we call, called my mom, but I didn't realize it takes two minutes. I thought it would be a process. I don't know why I thought that. And so they went in. They pulled it out. We didn't get a cough. He began to talk in full sentences, talking about everything that had been going on in that room. He knew the people that was in there. He knew That I had sat by his side and held his hand and had forgiven him. And in that moment, I mean, nurses and stuff, they're like, we need speech therapy to come in. We need, we got to get all these people, these consults. Like we didn't realize like he was going to do so well. And everybody's moving around and I literally felt like I was in a tunnel. Like the air was sucked from that room. And I said, Jesus, your mercy and what is so interesting is last week, last Sunday, when Pastor was teaching, I believe the Holy Spirit, he speaks through our pastor. He said, mercy is healing, mercy is restoration, and mercy is favor. And i seen that not only in my life, but I was able to witness it in somebody else's life that I necessarily didn't feel that they deserved. But that is God's love. That is God's favor. And that is what he does for each and every one of us. So if we're sitting here today and we have shame because we've done something or we know somebody else that has done something to us and we haven't been able to forgive them yet, Jesus is here to free you today. And I'm going to tell you, I left that hospital. I felt this weight that I didn't realize the heaviness of it lifted from me. And I... It is amazing. You know, when you seek Jesus and he enters your life, he rewrites your story. It just, it shouldn't surprise me, but going to visit him now and having conversations with him, it's like a completely different life. It's like I have stepped into some portal and this is a completely different man. Why? Because the mercy of God touched him. And changed him. And see, and what happens is when we don't seek Jesus, it's a generational curse. It's a generational cycle of hurting people hurt people. That's why I said when I shared the story, I don't know why I never really wanted to share my story. I'm not a victim. You're not a victim. Our stories are not unique. As much as we want to think that we have such a unique story, we don't. Because hurting people hurt people. And the sad part is, is until you let Jesus into your most secret places of your life, you're going to hurt people. That's just how it is. We have to seek Jesus. Hosea 4, 6, we're going to look at that one. It says, I'm just going to read the first part. It says, my people are being destroyed because they don't know me. And that's where I'm going to stop with that one. My people perish for lack of knowledge. It's the knowledge of God's love that changes people. It's the knowledge of God's favor and mercy that changes your life, that changes people's lives that encounter you. And as I close, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but um, Habakkuk 2.14, it says, For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. I want to leave that on the screen for a minute. And I want to, right now, I want you to think about what's going on in the world. I don't have to tell you what's going on in the world because you know what's going on. And there's a spiritual warfare taking place. And that spiritual warfare is not going to slow down. Evil is going to continue to rise because we know the end of the Bible. But... There is something still here on this earth, and that's the church. And while we're still here, we hold back the forces of darkness. Now, when Jesus comes back and that church is is taken, now, we don't want to be here, but right now we're part of the church, and we have that power within us. And I believe in these last days that this verse is going to come into such reality. As people begin to seek Jesus and truly seek a relationship with him that can change their entire life, for as the waters fill the sea, the earth... And I'm declaring it in the name of Jesus. I'm at least claiming this over my family and over my life, that the earth will be filled with the awareness of the glory of the Lord. I put that, I said the Burgess family, our household, will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. Relationships in my life where I thought that could never be restored, it's going to be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. If you have a body that you're getting negative reports of sickness disease well my body is going to be filled with the awareness of the glory of the Lord if I'm struggling to pay my bills and I have anxiety at night and I don't know how I'm going to take care of my kids well I'm filled with the awareness of the glory of the Lord you get that in the measure that you open your Bible and you read it and you become a doer of the word You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead.